The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. I'm going to ask a really uncomfortable question today, but I believe we're mature enough to answer it with wisdom together. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to another important broadcast here on The Line of Fire. We want every show to count. We want every word to count. We want to encourage you. We want to infuse you with faith and truth and courage to help you stand strong in the Lord. The answer to the great problems in America, the answer is a healthy, thriving church. That is the answer to the problems in America. How can we get healthy? That's the question we pursue. That's what we're after. Welcome to the show. Michael Brown, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Now, I'm going to be asking a pointed question in a moment. The question is going to sound defensive, but that is not the purpose of the question. The question is to expose the real answer to the question and to dig down deep as followers of Jesus to have a mature discussion together. Now, I'd love to get your input on this. Or if you want to comment on yesterday's broadcast where I interviewed my black brother, Marcus Benjamin, and we were talking about blind spots that we might have looking at the world and perspectives we might miss and the importance of understanding things through one another's eyes as followers of Jesus. If you want to weigh in on that, if you have a comment to make, you can call 866-34-TRUTH or weigh in on the related question I'm going to ask today. But if you've just been trying to get through, you've got a general Bible question, theology question, cultural question, and you've wanted to talk to me, we'll take other calls, but that'll be a little later. So if you want to call on any subject under the sun, go ahead, 866-34-TRUTH. But in particular, I'd love your feedback and your input. All right. We cannot get away from questions about race in America today. It's either because the left, those who are, quote, woke, the Democrat Party, race baiters and others are trying to raise this constantly to divide America and to push through a destructive agenda, or it's because there are ongoing issues that we need to address and that they are just coming to a head now because we haven't addressed them, or somewhere in between. But regardless of whether you think it's valid or not that there's so much talk about race in America today, the subject is unavoidable. Now, can we all agree on this as followers of Jesus? Justice and righteousness should be important to us. Can we agree on that? Put race aside for a moment. Put your own particular perspective aside for a moment. Put your voting habits aside for a moment. As followers of Jesus, do we agree that justice and righteousness should be important to us? If you are strongly pro-life, isn't that a justice issue? Isn't that a righteousness issue? If you oppose human trafficking, well, we all oppose it, but if you are actively involved in fighting for the lives of those being trafficked, is not that a righteousness justice issue? If you feel that the poor are being taken advantage of in your community and that people are getting rich on the backs of others and they are extorting and taking advantage of people, is not that an issue of justice and righteousness? 
The prophets constantly called for justice, justice, justice. The words mishpat and tzedakah in Hebrew, justice and righteousness are found over and over again in the Old Testament books. And then in Matthew 23, when Jesus is addressing religious hypocritical leaders, oh, they were scrupulous in tithing and every last little religious right, they were going to follow it. But he said, you neglect the weightier matters of the Torah, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you should have done without neglecting the other. Yeah, go ahead and be scrupulous in your tithing, but major on the majors. We look back at American history. We look back at slavery and segregation with shame. And many of us say, if, if I was living then, I would not have participated in those things. And I've challenged others who are very strong on racial justice and said, well, you're standing right now as millions of babies are being legally slaughtered in America by abortion, doing nothing about that. So it's easy for us to be hypocritical. So we can we agree, all agree, put politics aside, put race issues aside, put personal preferences aside. As followers of Jesus, we should care about justice and about righteousness. So hopefully we have agreement there. Okay. Here's my question, and I, I want you to please hear me out before you respond, okay? Feel free to, to get online and, and get on hold. That's fine. But I, I want you to hear me out before you finish my sentences for me or assume you know the rest of what I'm saying. Fair enough? Okay. Here's the question that's going to sound terribly offensive. Do you believe that blacks are intellectually and morally inferior to whites. Let me ask it again. Do you believe that blacks are morally and intellectually inferior to whites? Now, unless you are a raging, bigoted white supremacist, the answer is, of course not. God forbid. Even to ask that question is terribly offensive. Now, there was a time then that was widely believed by Christians in America, that Africans were inferior, morally or intellectually inferior, very strong physically, but morally or intellectually inferior. That was believed. And, and people even tried to use the Bible to justify that horrific belief. But unless you are, as I say, a hardcore white supremacist, no, you don't believe that. The very thought of that is absolutely abominable. So, why, tell me why, on average, black Americans have less education in terms of higher education, earn less, have less net worth as families, make up a higher percentage per capita of the prison population. Why is that the case? If they are not morally and intellectually inferior, why do they fall short in income? Why do they fall short in educational uh, achievements? Why do they fall short in, in terms of imprisonment, violent crimes, and things like that? You say, oh, well, it all goes back to the breakdown in the family. Okay, well, why? How'd that happen? If the people themselves are not morally and intellectually inferior, why did their families break down at higher rates than others? So the point I'm making is this, and now I'm going to state what I believe. I do not believe personally, 
that there is systemic racism in America today in any willful, purposeful, national way. In other words, I do not believe that by will and design in an ongoing way, our nation supports systemic racism. I don't believe that. There may be institutions that had a systemically racist past that have never fully adjusted things, certain laws that were on the books, certain methods of operation that never leveled the playing field. And when we talk about level the playing field, we're talking about equal opportunity, not equal outcome. Equal outcome is not going to happen because everyone's going to perform differently and use their opportunities differently. We're just trying to level the playing field so that one person doesn't have every benefit the moment they, they enter this world and someone else is, they've already struck out before they got out of the womb. All right. I do not believe there is ongoing willful systemic racism in America. I believe that movements like BLM are terribly destructive as much as I wholeheartedly affirm that every black life matters. I believe that most of the woke agenda is provocative and harmful. I believe that many on the left use any situation they can to draw attention to it so as to provoke a political result. And that is abhorrent to me. So I reject the left narrative. I reject the woke narrative. The way that CRT is being used in schools so that you have the oppressor class and the oppressed, that you have white guilt being taught, that you are blaming, that, that children are shamed today for things that happened a century or two ago. I completely stand against that. At the same time, it seems quite obvious that all the centuries of slavery, then segregation, not through all of America, but through much of America, and then in many ways felt through the nation, that those things still have a legacy. I'm not talking about reparations. I'm just talking about a reality, that there is a legacy of those things because of which black Americans, on average, do not have an equal playing field with white Americans. That's not to make anyone feel guilty, all right? Especially if, if your whole life you've been a godly person and you've loved justice and righteousness and, and, and you've been one with a heart for reconciliation, etc. There's, there's no white guilt in me. I don't relate to the concept, to be candid with you. It's never struck me. I'm, I'm 67 years old now. It's never struck me once. The feeling, the, the attitude never struck me once. So I don't deal with that, all right? At the same time, there's no white fragility. In, the, in other words, history is history. Reality is reality. So in my view, the only way that we have the situation that we have today with, on average, the net worth of a black family being way, way lower than the net worth of a white family. Just, just research. And I've, I've written about these things. Okay? This is not really disputed. On average, the, the highest levels of education for an average white person in America, higher than for an average black person. The amount of illegitimacy, children born out of wedlock and broken down homes, the high percentage of blacks in prison. That, to me, points to a legacy of slavery, segregation, and other policies along the way that have put black Americans in a more difficult position, on average, than white Americans. So knowing this helps give me a perspective to appreciate why my black friends may have a certain emphasis that's different than mine when they go to a voting booth. In other words, they may agree abortion's wrong, we oppose it, 
but we don't think this election is going to affect abortion either way. But I know that this political leader is going to work against racial disparity, and that's important to me. That's a justice issue as well. All right. Now, for me, if I know a candidate's pro-abortion, I can't vote. I'd rather sit out an election if I couldn't vote for the other than vote in that way. But here's the thing. Just understanding a reality or a perspective to me is half the battle. Then from there, we come together and say, well, where should we focus? Educational system? What can we do to build up the family? Well, how can we work together to level the playing field for the sake of justice and righteousness? That's my heart. What do you think? You get to respond. 866-348-7884. We'll be coming right back and going straight to the phones. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us. Hey, as I hear that skillet music that leads us in and out every day, John and the team are in Europe now. I believe they were traveling out yesterday, so they'll be on tour in Europe. They can get to some massive crowds there. They're very popular in Europe, so pray that God will use them. Pray that God will use them to light a fire, stir believers, open the eyes of non-believers. I know they would appreciate it. All right. I posted this on Twitter uh, this morning. So it's a few hours ago. Just got the first couple hundred plus votes. Uh, what's your view? This is the, what the, the poll asked. Number one, systemic racism still exists in America. Number two, it no longer exists but the after effects of it are still here. Three, there is no systemic racism today, nor are there after effects of it in our society. So those are the three choices. Thus far, 26.4% of those voting said systemic racism is here. 49.1%, so almost half, said only the after effects are here. That's Basically, my position. And the third view, not here at all. That was 24.5%. So the other two were almost equally divided. What's your perspective? Before I go to the phones, I was looking at some comments in response to the show yesterday. And one gentleman said, I don't know what's being asked of me. Great question. Great question. So let's say you're a white American and you hear my discussion with Marcus Benjamin yesterday, and you say to yourself, okay, what's he asking me? Basically, what he's asking and I'm asking is let's have conversations. Let's sit down with people, Hispanic American, Asian American, Jewish American, Black American, Native American, White American. Let's sit down and talk through difficult issues. Hey, tell me how you looked at the last uh, elections. How did you vote and why? Well, I'm a Christian. That's why I voted for Trump. What? You can't be a Christian and vote for Trump. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Because this, 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 this. And then you talk to the other person. Well, I voted for Biden. You can't be a Christian and vote for Biden. Obviously. For the, okay, have the conversation. Now, maybe you'll convince one or the other. Or maybe you'll even be more convinced that your position is right. But at least you will understand. 
So have conversations and do your best to see the world through someone else's eyes. Yeah, I could ask it like this. Do you think it is exactly the same in America in terms of ease of getting a job, ease of being heard, having a voice, having a platform, fulfilling your life goals and destinies, just as easy if you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian living in America or Native American, or do you think there are disparities? Just questions to ask, oh, understand why, and then we as God's people can lead the way in bringing positive change to America as exp- uh, rather than looking to the left or the right of the political system or the media to do it. Because all that's going to do is explode stuff, create anger, frustration. All right, as promised to the phones, let us go to Steve in Greensville, th- uh, Greenville, th- South Carolina. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Yes, I, I think I agree with your position that... Uh if anything, the after effects. I, you know, just quickly my my perspective. Uh, growing up in a not in Greenville, but in the South, in North Carolina, um, a rather rough, a rough young, you know, upbringing. In terms of, uh, you know, this is late seventies, early eighties, um, gangs uh, being attacked by gangs of blacks more than once um and i think uh i think by the grace of god he just worked on me to let that go I grew up in a baptist church and ended up not that this makes me you know great or anything i ended up i was able to let it go i ended up going to uh a black college in in greensboro uh for engineering <clears throat> so so you, you know, had a ver- you had a very different experience, very different I angle. Five yeah. years, five years at that school, as a very small minority, um, and it was great. It was great. It was wonderful. And I'll tell you that there were. I'll I'll move on real quick. But then in my senior year came the O.J. Simpson the Simpson verdict. And the school broke loose, and, I mean, there was jubilation. We're, we're sitting there in class, and, you know, we're just, the people left there in class were just looking around like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, it was still, <laughs> it was still great. I saw, you know, I felt, I felt very close to many people there. So, so here, yeah, so. It was a great experience. And now, so, so here we go, ever since. Ever since, and that's been many years ago, I, everything that comes up, talk radio, news, whatever it is, I tune in very, very acutely. And I listen. I have listened for many years. And I, the, the gentleman he had on yesterday, just, I, I don't know why. This rubbed me the wrong way. So, I I think this I think this systemic racism, the way it's come across and the, the way it's been, really, really I think I think this is co-opted by the radical left to divide us. Yeah. So so and, I I just want to I just want to jump in in fairness to the caller, Steve, but I, I appreciate you I appreciate you sharing all that. Allow me to just jump in. I have no question, my perspective, 
that race issues are consistently co-opted by the radical left to divide and to gain political points and to push through an agenda. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. I, I believe I've seen it documented clearly enough. And I believe there are many race baiters whose goal is really not the betterment of their people, but the pushing forward of a larger political agenda. I don't, I don't differ with your perspective on that. I basically said that before. At the same time, you and I agree that there are still after effects of the centuries of slavery and segregation and many things just put into law that are part of American culture that affected a particular people one way and other people another way. So, and that's, but having this conversation, you calling is exactly what we're doing. And it's not, it's not to find agreement, right? It's not for you to agree with Marcus yesterday, to agree with me today, not at all. And our purpose in talking was not even to agree. Our, our purpose was to have the conversation and to say, this is the kind of thing we have to do. Because you're still dealing with stuff that people deal with in their lifetimes, right? Not just ancient history, but in their lifetimes. Hey, thank you, sir, for the call. <clears throat> in fact, let me stay here for a minute before I go back to the phones. 866-34-TRUTH. Take the OJ trial, all right? There is a famous picture that was taken. And you've got these people, I forget where they were. It could have been New York. And they're all watching. Sometimes you have a big screen or, or a big TV monitor in a, in a store. So, so everybody's gathered around watching, right? And, and the verdict is read, OJ, not guilty. And all the white faces are in complete shock. What's, uh, not guilty? Are you kidding me? He's 100% guilty. He fled. He's got his hands cut. He's, his DNA blood's found on the side. He's, guil he's guilty as anybody's ever been guilty. Proven beyond any shadow of a doubt. The white faces, absolute shock. The black faces, absolute joy. You're going you're to trust the police? You don't think the police have planted evidence before? You don't think the police just have it in for this guy? You're going to trust the police? It's so clear he didn't do it. And that, to me, was a perfect illustration. Unless you're going to say, oh, one group is just biased or one group is just ignorant. Unless you're going to say that, you say, wow, how on earth did we get such different perspectives? Now, I wanted OJ to not be guilty because I, I liked the guy, you know, football player and funny as an actor. You know, I, I liked the guy, what I knew from the outward persona, right? But to me, it was absolutely, completely clear. Of course he was guilty. There's no question that he was guilty on every level. I was talking to one of my friends who was a missionary in Italy, a black brother married to an Indian woman. They were missionaries in Italy, solid believer, sharp guy. And we were talking, he said, you know, the evidence against OJ was so unbelievably weak. And I, I, I didn't say anything, I didn't get, because I didn't want to get into an argument about it. I thought, wow, how differently we see this because of life perspective or history. One side saying we trust the legal system, we trust the police investigation, we trust the integrity of what's going on, we trust the evidence. The other saying you can't trust the legal system, you can't trust the police system, you can't trust the integrity of the evidence. You know how much tampering there is? So, yeah, my position remains the same. Of course he was guilty, obviously so. And yet I don't demean those who saw it differently. And, it, and there was a massive racial divide, as, as Steve just, just mentioned in his own experience. There was a massive racial divide over it. So this, to me, is a good example. Okay, so what do we do? 
we sit down and talk, not with the goal of convincing the other person, but with the goal of helping the other person understand why you see things the way you do. This has been my counsel for multicultural churches for years. No, I'm not a pastor. No, I'm not an expert in this. But when it comes to election time, don't just go through the values, what you believe, but have some of your most articulate folks from different backgrounds who vote differently explain why they vote the way they vote and interact on it. And, and then maybe in the midst of the differences, there'll be understanding or maybe the ability to help people out of blind spots grow into God's full heart. All right, we come back. We go straight to your calls. 866-34-TRUTH. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. If we are called to be the moral conscience of society, the salt of the earth, if we are called to be the light of the world, bringing clarity, bringing insight into God's heart, showing his ways, then surely the areas that divide our nation should be areas that we, the people of God, Lead the way in, demonstrating God's heart, showing his way. 866-34-TRUTH. Michael Brown, welcome to the line of fire. Make sure, friends, that you're getting my emails. I was just speaking to about, a, I don't know, 1,000 people or so over the weekend in Vero Beach, Florida, a fine congregation there. And I asked how many of you get my emails, and oh, it's probably less than 10%. And these are folks that have heard me for some years now. So I bet many of you listen and don't get my emails. So you don't want to miss an article. You don't want to miss a video. We, we've got so many resources there to bless you, and we make it really easy to not miss anything because once a week we send you an update. Here are all the latest articles. I wrote one last night on why are we so surprised about little children being entertained by drag queens in a gay bar. This stuff's gone on for years. Yeah, we should be outraged, but why so surprised? We've been warning about this since 2004, my friends. <clears throat> so... Latest videos, things you really want to share with others, new resource offers when we're announcing plans to take a trip tour to Israel. You'll be the first to know. So go to the website, ask Dr. Brown, askdrbrown.org, and click to sign up for our emails. We'll also send you a free mini ebook on how to pray for America. All right, we go back to the phones with uh, Inga in Kernersville, North Carolina. Welcome to the line of fire. Thank you very much, Dr. Brown. You're welcome. It's so nice. It's so nice to talk to you. Um, I'm kind of getting in on the tail end of the conversation, but uh, so if I repeat myself, I apologize. But when you were talking about CRT, uh, one thing that really came to mind was that um, a couple things actually, and I don't know if you mentioned this. One of the things that's really been hurting the black family and other families as well is the government um, allowing them to be so dependent with um, the welfare program. I was listening to someone the other day, and 
it really rung a bell with me when I really thought about it. It makes it easy for women to say, you know, I've had enough of this, and to ask their spouse to leave, the father of the home, because they know that they can fall back on government sub, uh, subsidies. Now, I know this firsthand because I have someone very close to me that has, um, in, you know, um, been part of that, and I can see how dependent it makes them. And another thing, uh, and people may disagree with me on this, but I think if we're really honest, the government is really uh, not doing favors for people. Um, that used to be reserved for the family and for the church when, um, you know, families were suffering. That's what we were called to do, do was to be there and to, um, you know, extend a hand in a responsible way to help. And then the other thing is China. China has big dollars behind all of this. And China is not America's friend. And I think that people really need to pay attention to all the um, all the things that are happening as a whole, not just one area. Because if you look at Venezuela and how Venezuela fell, the same sort of things that started the fall of Venezuela, uh, we are we have uh, witnessed yeah, in, uh, fact, in past years. Yeah, uh, just to just to jump in here, uh, the the China comment is very important. But I'm not going there today just because of focus. So the whole issue of China, America's relationship to China, China's role in our country, etc. That's a big question, a separate question. So there are those who believe that the real incentive behind the welfare system was not helping black Americans. After all, the Democrats had been the party of slavery and had been part of segregation that the, the incentive behind the welfare system was to hurt the black community and to break down the family. Because the family unit, in terms of male, female, household, mother, father, together raising their children, was much, 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 much stronger before the Civil Rights Act and many of the things that happened than after. Now, why that is the case, there's a lot of debate over it. So I'm not giving a position. I'm not speaking to this with economic authority. I, I do not have that, okay? But I have heard it said enough that this was just another way of controlling population and hurting the family. And not to say that all of civil rights was that, but a lot of the welfare system was that, that it, it, hey, you get more money for more kids, especially if you're single, etc. So I'm, and I'm talking about why someone would do it why someone would have kids or, or, or not be in a long-term relationship. I'm talking about why people set up the system. It is just an opinion that's being put out, and you can weigh in on that. All right, let's go to Stephanie in Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the line of fire. Yes, hi, Dr. Brown. It's good to talk with you. I've just been sitting here just listening to your program, and I just had to call in. It's Thank something you. that has been bothering me for a few weeks now. I watched the season premiere of um, The Chosen. The first time I saw it, it really made me feel really good watching that program. And I saw on one segment where 
the um, black lady and her friends were bringing in the man that was um, paralyzed to Jesus to heal him. And they brought him down through the roof. And when Jesus healed the man, he looks up to the, through, through the ceiling, through the roof, at the black lady who was the friend. And he looks up at her and he says, Sister, I see your faith and it's beautiful. That touched me so much that I was like, I just cannot stop watching this program. Well, a couple of weeks, three ones came on. And that same segment came on, and they had cut that part out, where Jesus looks up to this black woman, at the, she's at the, on the roof, and he says to her, Sister, I see your faith, and it's beautiful. They cut it out. And he just looks up at her, and he says, Your faith is beautiful. I was like, Oh, my God. No, they didn't. They couldn't even leave that in, where Jesus is saying to a person of color, sister, I see your faith and it's beautiful. They cut it out. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to watch this program no more because you feel as if we are not deserving of that. So, so Stephanie, let, let me ask you a question. I, I didn't sure. see either episode, okay? So mm-hmm. this, this is what I want to ask that you can speak to definitively. So someone might say, no, no, there were all little cuts of all kinds of things, and he still makes a positive statement here. You're misreading it. So someone might say, I don't know. I haven't seen it. All right? My question is this. What in your own life experience would make you think that somebody would do something like that, that a black person would not be treated with equal dignity as, as a white person? What, what, because that's... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. So that, that's my question. In other words, there's a reason you thought the way you thought, whether it was an accurate assessment or not. There must be something in your life experience that causes you to see through that lens. That's what I want to, to open up. So what made because you feel that feel way? Because we I'm a black woman. We feel as if the, we, we are cut out of so much because of the color of our skin. But the police situation, prime example for me, when they are shooting at black men who, are, who don't have a weapon, but their defense is, oh, my life, I felt threatened. Okay, you feel threatened by someone who doesn't even have a, 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 an arm, a gun or anything, but you shoot this individual, it goes to court, and you get off because you're saying, I felt threatened. That is the white man's way of saying yes. I am threatened by the black man because now they're saying, you know, black people are overpowering us. They are, um, so many of them, the black, the white man is going to be extinct because of the people of color that are coming into the United States. So to me, that is the way of the white man creating genocide. So these officers are just shooting these men in the back, shoot white people are just shooting them. You can't even run in a white neighborhood, I drive through white neighborhoods because I want to see the beauty of their homes. They can buy beautiful homes. Well, I've been struggling trying to be- afford a beautiful home all my life, just about. But I cannot get the credit because of the color of my skin. And it just bothers me that white people don't see this because they don't want to see it. It is out there. 
see it for what it is, when they can depict it in a program such as The Chosen, I'm like, oh, I'm just thrilled. All right, so, all right, so, so listen, the reason that I'm having these shows and opening the phones is so we can hear from people like you, Stephanie in Richmond, and your life experience and the lens through which you see things, right? So that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Now, now here's, here's where I would, I would take issue. When you reference the white man and, uh, you know, genocide, so I'm a white man, white Jewish man, but I'm a white man raised in New York but lived in America my whole life, right? I have never once, ever, in my entire life, forever talked with a white person who even hinted at any desire to wipe out, decimate black people, genocide, never, never once. In, 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 my, in, in the most candid conversations in, pri- in, ever, in, in my entire life, and I, I know a whole lot of people. Now, are there white supremacists out there and, and, and those with the whole replacement uh, theory and they're concerned about people coming in, you know, all immigrants coming in and, and destroying white America. Oh, they're out there. And I call out their evil and their hatred and their bigotry. But that's not white America in general. Remember, there are a whole lot of white Americans that voted for Barack Obama. And we're very glad to have a, a, a black family in, in the White House. So I would say there are definitely real issues. And I knew you faced them. I would just say we can't make everything into a matter of race because that's that's not the reality. Hey, Stephanie, thank you for calling in. Let's continue to have our conversations. God bless. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So here's the, here's the thing, friends. We get very different perspectives, don't we? We're hearing very different perspectives from white callers, black callers, other callers. Sometimes you get different perspectives, men, women. So what do we do? Just dismiss the other person? Dismiss their viewpoint? Or say, well, why do you feel that way? Why do you see things like that? And probe deeper. If someone loves the Lord, if someone's walking with the Lord, and someone cares about honoring the Lord, okay, so what, in your experience, gives you that perspective? Have you ever done marital counseling? And you get two completely different perspectives from the husband and the wife. You think there's, one of them's lying. And then they sit down and talk. It's like, oh, now I get it. There's, there's, a, there's more to it. So that's where we have the conversations. Again, this may strengthen you in your own conviction, it may get you to pray for someone else more. It may, it may shake you. It may rock your world. It may just give understanding as to how to work together more effectively. But unless you have the conversations, all these attitudes, all these feelings, all these perspectives are there, and we're like ships passing in the night. And I refuse to live like that. So you say, oh, you just want everyone to like you. No, when you do this, you get more people hating you, more people upset with you. That's, but that's fine. That's, that's fine. That's my service. Let it be as long as we can bring things to the light. All right, let us go back to the phones. Justin in Chattanooga, Tennessee, thanks for calling the line of fire. 
Hello, sir. I just I just want to say how much I love what you're doing. Um, I've been following you here just recently, um, but I just want to come on and give a comment about the uh, subject matter at hand here. Um, so I also hold to uh, your stance on this, and this is coming from the perspective of a 24-year-old 20, um, in the South. So um, for me, my dad... He wanted me to go to a predominantly white school in my area because he knew of the education system um, for the, the school I was zoned for. So I remember him actually using my grandmother's address so that I can go to a, um, a school in a nicer neighborhood. Well, going to the school, um, you know, again, with me being a minority at the school and me being interested in, in women, um, it was predominantly white women. And I, I would come across uh, multiple situations of saying, like, hey, I like you. Uh, my parents just wouldn't approve. So, you know, growing up and hearing that, um, you know, it kind of gave me a, a chip on my shoulder. But at the same time, me being hungry for education and, and, and wanting to, to speak proper, um, now uh, I'm a server at a restaurant in um, Chattanooga, and I would go up to tables um, who are black, black families, and they would kind of uh, pick pick on pick on me or, or make fun of me because I'm acting like I'm better than them because of the way I talk, or oh you must grow up around white people because of the way you talk. So it, you know I, I would hear things like Uncle Tom, and I would hear things mm. of you know and. And, and I'm, I just, me going after God and me truly going to him in prayer and saying, like, like Lord, I, just make me more like you. I don't want to have my ways. I want to have your ways. And I truly believe that seeing um, seeing how people feel through a lens of, of how they grew up and, and what they've learned and what they've seen. I've oftentimes ran into um, white people in my area and... You know, I got tattoos all over my arms and stuff like that, and, I, and, and I'm a kind of a bigger guy, so they kind of look at me funny when I get to the table. But when they hear me speak, they're just like, I, I, mean, I had one person. I had one person say, "Well, you know, you just don't sound like what you look like." And in that moment, I <laughs> I could have gotten offended by that, but I, I just knew it was coming from a place of like she didn't understand. And, yeah. and what, you know, through the media, she may have seen, uh, you know, what, what they think black people look like or act like. Yeah. So, I mean, look, the fact is there is this uh, this unconscious stereotyping. Right. And we can all do it. You know, and then you catch yourself think, well, I just stereotyped that person based on patterns or things I've been around. But interesting. Again. So here here we have uh, a black young person goes to a white school. We had another caller, a white young person goes to a black school, and, and everyone now gains insight into other worlds by being these cultures. Look, I've been outside the U.S. over 200 times, okay? I've, I've been to countries like India 27 times, and you're talking about different worlds, different cultures. You go to one culture and truth, error, you know, true, false, that's what matters. You go somewhere else, shame, honor, that's what matters. And, and both are right in different ways. All right, let's go to Marlin in Farmington, Michigan. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Are you there? Dr. Brown, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. I had to come off of mute. I'm sorry. Yeah, go um, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Dr. Brown, uh, I think it's an important topic. You know, you, you know, and I think about the Twitter poll because I had to drop off 
YouTube for a minute, but the Twitter poll asking if racism still exists. And then my mind goes to, you know, the incident just recently in Buffalo, you know, and so I'm like, okay, that's a, you know, clear evidence of racism still existing, you know, and, and, and I wouldn't individualize it because I know that it's been seen, you know, by others. And then you mentioned the case with O.J. Simpson um, uh, and, you know, just the difference in responses. And uh, it, it, I'm, I'm a African-American, but I, um, I I went and looked up really quick. I remember the, the, you know, I've heard about the bombings in Mississippi of the four black children, the four black girls. And, you know, how some of them weren't convicted, you know. So it's like, you know, we can only speak from our point in time in terms of the old Jay Simpson and it's like man how could he be you know found innocent right but then it's like if we go back in time in the yeah, US yeah I got it yeah 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 you know exactly that's you, right. you could you could lynch, you could lynch somebody and not be convicted yes yeah, yeah so yeah. right so that's yeah. the, that's the other side of distrust in the police I only brought in the side of corrupting the evidence you know this is what some would believe corrupting the evidence right. but then there's the other side of ignoring the evidence to exonerate a white person right so that's part of history and that's the whole thing regardless of right or wrong regardless of who did what why does one group see things one way and another another way and then how do we all grow more into the image of, of Jesus by the way Racism, of course, racism exists. The question is, is, is it systemic? Is it institutionalized? You know, that's the question. But I think we all have to agree that to, to rightly confront the evil of racism wherever we find it in America, we have to do it first and foremost as followers of Jesus, get God's heart, get his perspective, listen and learn from one another, and then come together. I mean, we of all, the body of Christ, should be the ones that can say, hey, here we are, one in him, transcending race, gender, ethnicity, uh, everything, and coming together as one people. But that's the challenge to, to get to that point, isn't it? It, it, it is. It, 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 and I just think about, uh, you know, Jesus talked, I mean, you know, like the, the two great commandments, you know, love God, you know, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's a part of loving our neighbor you know, like like with conservatives, they they love the neighbor in the womb, right? Or at least that's what they preach a lot. And then, you know, but then the other side, they're like, well, here's your neighbor right here, yep. in person. You know, so yeah, I think yeah, I think if we do that, like you said, Doctor Brown, then it helps us to approach it with the mindset. Let me listen and try to understand. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you, sir, for calling in. I appreciate Thanks, it. Brown. All right, listen. I've been looking at others that called in with other topics because I said we try to get to them at the end. But because we got flooded with calls on topic, we stayed on topic. So uh, in particular, Charlie in Australia with a question on Isaiah 53. If you can call in on Thursday or Friday, then whenever you call, I'll do my best to, to jump you up the line because you're calling from Australia. And Isaiah 53 is one of the key chapters in the Bible. Uh, other calls, uh, Paul, Jonathan, others, I, I wish I could get you, but there's, there's so little time. There's, by the time you ask your question, we'll be out of time. Also remember, you can write to us at our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. You can write to us there. If you've got Jewish-related questions, I've got the ministry assistant, Egal. Uh, he is a Russian-Israeli-American Messianic Jew, PhD in Old Testament, and all the Jewish-related questions, theology questions that come in, 
Uh, he answers them and then copies me on every answer. So I actually see what he's sending out. Sometimes I say, hey, let's recommend this source or let's reach out even more. So we're on hand to help you. And then if you search the website for the topics you're looking for, you'll find thousands of resources. So we may have the answer waiting for you already. Uh, especially Jewish-related questions, make sure you check out realmessiah.com, realmessiah.com. Friends, I want to encourage you that together we're making a real difference. I, I wish you could meet the people I meet as they come to us, many times in tears, thanking us for the effect of the ministry and how their lives have been changed and impacted. Others will thank me, Dr. Brown. Thanks for being our voice. Thanks for standing. Thanks for speaking. It's our joy. It's our calling. If you believe in what we're doing and want to help us reach more people, if you feel that this voice is important and you want to turn it up, you want to amplify it across the nation, then join our team. Become a torchbearer, monthly supporter, $1 or more per day. That's it. To become a torchbearer, every month we'll pour back into you with new audio messages, video resources, online classes that we just give to pour it back into you as torchbearers. So go to the website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. Click donate. Of course, you can give a one-time donation, but to become part of our support team on a monthly basis, click donate monthly support, a dollar a day or more. You'll become an official torchbearer. And every testimony that comes in, you will be part of the answer and you will receive part of the reward. All right, back with you tomorrow. Another program powered by the Truth Network.